Thank you to the Academy for this honor of honors. They told me I only have 45 seconds up here, which is 45 seconds more than the Senate gave John Bolton this week. First award of the night. I'm thinking maybe Quentin does a movie about it. In the end, the adults do the right thing. I'm thinking maybe shut up, Brad, for God's sake. As Ricky Gervais put it, you are literally less connected to the real world than any other walk of life. Stop it. We don't care. How many people reached for their remote controls at that moment? How many like me thought, I'll flip it on for a while, see who wins what, and what movies I might want to see when they you know, come to pay-per-view or whatever. And then Brad, first award of the night, isn't that? All right, whatever. Uh, on the other hand, you had, and I, I, I bailed. Judy and I decided to, instead of watch stupid awards for art by a bunch of entitled, bloated, egoed rich people, we'd actually watch some of their output. <laughs> so we went back to our favorite binge show of the moment. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who exists on the ragged edge of sanity, would you say that's fair, Sean? Yes. It's not a put on. He's he's just he's wacky. Uh, yeah, he's a he's he's a weirdo, and I I don't say that disparagingly. No. I love weirdos. I, but, I some of my favorite people are weirdos. But yeah, but he's one of he's a weirdo. Yeah. Okay. So he had a number. What did he win? First of all, uh, best actor for oh, for the Joker yep. movie, of course. Yeah, the comedy. The uh, second time the... that the Joker has won an Academy Award. So uh, Heath Ledger won it for Best Supporting Actor. All right. Now yeah. Joaquin Phoenix wins it for Best Actor. I just, I think that's kind of weird. Wow, it's kind of Oscar bait. Yeah, apparently. yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, sequel after sequel, just so guys can get trophies. But um, uh, The Joker, it's a comedy behind the scenes at Ringling Brothers. It's about clowns. It's just, it's wonderful. Bring your, bring your children. <laughs> yes, fun for all ages. But Joaquin Phoenix's acceptance speech, which we have edited as it was lengthy, uh, boy, it, it, it was almost as epic as the movie itself. Let's play you a little bit. I think that we've become very disconnected from the natural world. And many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview. The belief that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. Even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for her calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. And I think we fear the idea of personal change. Can you pause that? Are we still at the Oscars? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Eminem just performed not too long ago. Nobody knows why, but it was good. Okay, go on, Phoenix. We fear the idea of personal change. Walking. Because we think that we have to sacrifice something to give something up, but human beings... I mean, that's kind of what sacrifice is, though, right? Yes, by definition. Yeah. I, I'm not sure... Do I, do I fear change because I have a belly full of milk in this scenario, or I'm, I'm losing the thread, but go ahead. But human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious, and I think that when we use love and compassion as our guiding principles and put it we in can coffee. create develop and implement two systems of change please. that are two. beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment now i've been okay i think he kind of brought it home there we can come up with like almond milk is that what he was saying we can Invent ways to not snatch calves away from grieving cow mamas? I, I guess so, yeah. But almond milk doesn't taste as good on my cereal. 
You're um, my cow mama. But he did that several, like, it, it was very much a speech filled with detours, and you could see him kind of struggling to find his words in the moment. Yeah. Um, he's not a screenwriter. He's an actor. Normally people give him the words for him. Yeah. Um, but he did kind of, uh, so he went from that and kind of a hard pivot. I'll just let it run out because this this isn't an edit. But he goes into this thing, which I feel like is a kind of a pushback against cancel culture. Okay. And I'm worried that this will get lost in all the, the, the kookiness and the, the rest of the stuff. Okay. Yeah. And to the environment. Now, I've been... Obligatory applause because he said it. I've been a scoundrel in my life. I've been selfish. I've been cruel at times, hard to work with, and ungrateful. But so many of you in this room have given me a second chance. And I think that's when we're at our best, when, when we support each other. Not when we cancel each other out for past mistakes, but when we help each other to grow, when we educate each other, when we guide each other towards redemption. That is the best of humanity. Okay. And then that, that uh, applause know, went, and then he quoted his uh, his late brother uh, River Phoenix, and, and ended his speech there. Right, right. Uh, what do you? What does uh, late brother say? I mean, we've come this far. Do we have it? Yeah. When he, when he was when he was when he was seventeen, my brother wrote this lyric. He said, "Run to the rescue with love, and peace will follow." Thank you. Okay, that's, that's a nice little tribute to his, his little bro who he, passed way too early, drug overdose. And he notoriously is very closed about talking about that. Oh, okay. So, so right. for those who follow, that, that is um, maybe the first time he's ever mentioned it publicly. I, I don't really know, but yeah. it's certainly something that he doesn't talk about openly. Well, it's an interesting bit of, I don't know, how would you describe this? Human mathematics, that the number of people who are behind the savagery of cancel culture, is actually comparatively small. But they're savage and they're effective. And they're on social media. And so if you have to have a guy like Joaquin Phoenix, uh, and I appreciate him finding the courage to do this, standing up and saying, look, you know, and and this is from a a number of ancient philosophies, including uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, he among you who is without sin should cast the first stone. I mean, wh- what happened to that? Where did that go? And offering a path to redemption, I think, is vital for all of this stuff kind of going forward. Oh, yeah. the, with these transgressions, sure, we can we can point them out and, and maybe try to coach up a little bit, but these can't be lifetime bans for, for things that you said seven years ago, ten years ago. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. Yeah, you find a tweet from 2001. Right. And saddle somebody with it. Yeah, there there are plenty of us who think that a lot of these uh, so-called transgressions are phantom fouls, like watching an NBA game. You can't figure out what's a foul and what's not. Um, But, yeah, I I agree. I mean, even if, for instance, uh, 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 Kevin Hart, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, back in the day, he was making millions of dollars making jokes that these days are are strict verboten. Um, you got to be able to say, look, back in the day, I didn't think that was a, that offensive. More people have come forward and said, hey, I'm offended by that. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm sorry about that. Come on. We're all human beings with a cancel culture. I'd like to cancel y'all. I'd like to slap you around while we're... That wouldn't do any good. Violence never solves anything. <laughs> Except fascism and communism and, and the British not giving us any of our rights. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, my favorite, excuse me, I have a cold. Um, it's going around. I mentioned I was watching the golf tournament uh, from Pebble Beach uh, the other day, and half of the CBS 
uh, golf crew had a cold, so evidently it's ravaging the western United States. I think we'll all be fine. But um, anyway, where, where was I? I was coughing. I was choking. Cancel culture. Um, seriously, where was I going? Somebody. Is somebody tracking with me? Anybody. I like that you think that we somebody, know where you're going with things. Anybody. Cancel culture. Offering paths to redemption. Paths to redemption. I'm sorry, I was listening to a CD. <laughs> For the... the uh, oh, my favorite segment. We were talking about the uh, the revolution, sort of, kind of. The American Revolution. My favorite... <laughs> my favorite Second Amendment, Second Amendment poster, my pro-Second Amendment poster is... George Washington didn't win our independence from the British by talking to them. He shot them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. All right. Okay, speaking of uh, the sins of uh, modern humans, another update on the whole liberal white women hiring racial activists to lecture them about being racist at $2,500 per pop. And... Chris Matthews, of all people, on MSNBC, questioning Bernie and others about socialism and what it means and and how comfortable we are, all all are going forward. It's surprisingly good stuff coming up in moments. Armstrong and Getty. Yes, it is. Uh, what was it called? Love Myself Again for the first time or something ridiculous oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, Love Me Again. again. Elton's song. Super. Won the best song, Craig. Uh, so uh, over the weekend, a couple of interesting things happened. You got your Friday debate, the Democrats. I didn't watch. I needed the night off of politics. and It was okay, I guess. I don't know. But um, some of the analysis afterward, particularly by one Chris Matthews, of hardball fame on MSNBC was notable for a couple of reasons, and and we'll we'll play the clips and we'll comment. But first of all, he's making it clear that he and I share an opinion of the strength of Joe Biden as a candidate. Let's hear that first clip. They made a decision for the first time in months, and actually, whenever Joe Biden decided to run for president, which was probably when he was 13, they did a Sunday show. They've agreed to do this Sunday show uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos. Why all, all of a sudden the change? They've been basically hiding from the tough media questions. They think they catch people that are going to be nice to them, and they get tough questions from them, too. Because everybody's going to ask the obvious question about he and his son. It does, you know, we ask, why has your son got this job over here at X many millions of dollars? Why is, when you got the portfolio for Ukraine, and then he gets the contract for Ukraine, people who have to be mindless not to say, well, what's going on here? It's a reasonable question. I don't think you should have asked the Ukraine president to investigate it, but it's a reasonable question. When there's smoke, people want to know if there's fire. Uh, Boy, and his uh, fellow panelists were all looking at him like, what? 
What did you know? The narrative is there's no evidence of anything funny going on. And, you know, honestly, I don't think Joe Biden probably delivered much, if anything. It's just the way Washington works. Access, man. Access. I sound like Joe Biden now. It's access, man. Access, you lion pony dog soldier face. You lion dog face pony soldier. That's it. Yeah, that's what he said to a young woman at a town hall the other day. You're a lion dog face pony soldier. Which apparently is something John Wayne said in a movie from like 1945 or something. That is what Joe Biden claims. The internet has yet to nail down the specific movie where it's from. There, okay. They have found an old movie called, I think, Pony Soldier. Yeah. But they haven't found that line in it. And lion I don't know dog if, face pony soldier. Yeah, but lion dog face pony soldier. And I, I don't said, even know. Hey, Esther. <laughs> So I said, hey, Esther. And so the hey, Esther, reference to Esther Williams, who was a movie star of the 30s, 40s, that might be modern by the standards of dog face pony soldier. Lion dog face pony soldier. You're a lion dog face pony soldier. Yeah, never mind, you know, whether he he set up his son or whatever, or the fact that it's there. That's right. It's about access, man. If you can just get access. To the top, anywhere near the top in Washington, in in the federal government, which controls the flow of trillions of dollars of, of, of currency and quadzillions of dollars worth of policy. If you can convince uh, the, the government that hostile country is neutral country. Then all of a sudden, limitations on trade and travel and all sorts of things are lifted. And all of a sudden, neutral countries' economy goes kerblooey, and the fat cats who run it get crazy, crazy rich. So access means everything in D.C. It makes a difference. That's right, Joe. And so maybe Joe's guilty of that. Maybe that's the worst of it. I don't know. But then Matthews went on to just absolutely shock the children on his panel, the young uh, super progressives, when he was describing the ascendancy of Bernie and what the discussion might look like about socialism going forward. But I think that the Democratic Party has to figure out its ideology. Uh, That's a change from the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party's been to the left of the Republican Party on the issue of mixed capitalism, more social programs. They push Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Enormously popular programs. I think uh, ACA Obamacare has also a wish to follow through with it and make it work. I think most Americans would be happy to have a public option and have Medicare uh, followed through with. But I, I don't want to get into the, You know, I'm on every night. I let the Democrats figure this out. I, <laughs> I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude towards Castro. I I believe if Castro and the, and, the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. I don't know who Bernie, Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's, a, that's basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. Pretty clearly in the Denmark is category, he? yeah. Are you sure? How do you know? Did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's what he says, and that's what his agenda calls for, right? Yeah, yeah, He's not calling for it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's figure that one out. Well, we haven't seen a, a campaign yet 
where video of him praising the other version right. of Castro has been used. Well, but that will be used. That's a question of how, how that plays. Of how Chandra, what, what the effect that has. In it well, what does he think of Castro? That's a great question. What did you think of Fidel Ismo? We all thought he was great when he first, I think, cheering like mad for him <laughs> I'm gonna, when he first wait, went in. And hold then on. he became a communist and started shooting okay. every one of his enemies. Okay, hold so, on. Hold those thoughts on the Cuban Revolution. <laughs> Jack, quite aptly pointing out earlier, aptly rather, that, uh, yeah, all those thoughts on the Cuban Revolution was totally okay, Boomer. Uh, wow. And and Jack also pointed out when we discussed this earlier that uh, Chris Matthews was uh, thereby dismissed from the coverage for the rest of the evening. Not publicly, but he never reappeared. He just went yeah, good. away. <laughs> and we will be reckoning with this going forward. What do we mean by socialism? What does Bernie mean? What do his 21-year-old supporters mean? Are they fully aware how socialism means confiscation and redistribution? Now, even a libertarian like myself, am I okay with giving a, a, some of my tax dollars for um, you know the blind, the severely handicapped, uh, the unable to support themselves? Yeah, we're way down that road, so yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I don't even think about fighting against that and saying, no, it ought to be charity or whatever. I'm, I'm fine with that. But how much is too much? And how much control does the government need over the exchange of goods and services? Uh, healthcare services, for instance. When do you get to a point of government control that becomes oppression and becomes Fidel Castro, becomes the Soviet Union, becomes Hugo Chavez, and, and now Fat Maduro, who's, who's taken his fat place? Uh, we really, really need to have a serious talk w- about this amongst ourselves as Americans and, uh, and figure out the way forward, because you don't want to get on that slippery slope. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Attorney General of the United States of America. I'm here to announce the indictment of Chinese military hackers, specifically four members of the Chinese People's Liberation Army, for breaking into the computer systems of the credit reporting agency Equifax and for stealing the sensitive personal information of nearly half of all American citizens. And also, Equifax has hard-earned intellectual property. In addition to the thefts of sensitive personal data, our cases reveal a pattern of state-sponsored computer intrusions and thefts by China targeting trade secrets and confidential business information. Hacks by the group known as APT-10, which worked in association with the Chinese Ministry of State Security, or MSS. Indeed, about 80% of our economic espionage prosecutions have implicated the Chinese government. And about 60% of all trade secret theft cases in recent years involve some connection with China. Uh, I like this part of that. This data has economic value, and these thefts can feed China's development of artificial intelligence tools. Um, So just to remind you of the severity of that attack, uh, the Equifax hack snatched up the uh, personal data of about 145 million Americans, not to mention some trade secrets, but 
Uh, roughly names, half, right? Half yeah, roughly, yeah. yeah, yeah, roughly half of Americans. Certainly, well, the, the children aren't on Equifax, so it was probably well over half of adults. Uh, hackers stole names, birth dates, social security numbers, data that can then be used to access information like medical histories and bank accounts. And then they build that database of you and can figure out anything they need to, including how to manipulate you or blackmail you or bribe you to spy for them or whatever, depending on their purposes, or just, you know, build, you know, take your money out of your account. But yeah, it's really amazing. There are four or five major stories about China this morning. Uh, from I'm holding an article from the New York Times in my hand. I have a, a piece from the Washington Post that's incredibly critical of China. There's Here's something from Breitbart over here that's incredibly uh, critical of China. Um, and it just it's becoming more and more clear that uh, the future of, of us in China is working together is rocky, to say the least. Donald Trump, don't trust China! No, he shouldn't. Uh, one of one, one of my favorite uh, Chinese or China-related articles today is this. It's from a a weather website that monitors air conditions around the globe. I mentioned this earlier when there were terrible wildfires in Northern California. I became aware of it so I could figure out whether I could go outside and breathe or not. Um, but they've been monitoring, well, they monitor all around the world. And the Wuhan province and the city just to its west, Chongqing, which is also heavily affected by the coronavirus, have exploding levels of sulfur dioxide in the air, the sort of gas that is released from burning organic matters, specifically organic matter, specifically cremations. Hmm. They, it's probably one of those coinkydink things, right? Yeah, it's a coincidence, clearly, but there's an explosion of 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 oh my God, it. it looks like Doppler radar and there's a storm yeah, pouring and, down on Wow. wow. There's Wuhan, there's Chongqing right there on this map. And it's like, you know, where you see the light green, then the dark green, then the yellow, then the red. It's all yellow and red um, of the cremation chemicals going into the air all of a sudden. And there are, there's original reporting from a lot of their crematoriums that they're going uh, 24 hours a day now by order of the government. Um, But only uh, a few dozen people have died. So that's weird. Anyway. Oh, you know what I want to get to that we haven't yet is... The ongoing and somewhat idiotic uh, jawing back and forth and threat fest between Snoop Dogg and Gail King. Get your tickets to Threat Fest. Did you? What was the the Snoop was saying? She was off the chain and shouldn't have brought up Kobe's alleged rape thing and and said, "I'm coming to get you, Gail." It sounded like a threat at it the end of it. Sounded like it. Yeah. Um, he- well, Snoopy Dog has responded. Let's hear that. I'm a nonviolent person. What I look like wants some harm to come to a 70-year-old woman. I was raised way better than that. I didn't want no harm to come to her and didn't threaten her. All I did was said, you out of pocket for what you're doing and we're watching you. But you said we're going to come and get you, didn't Didn't you? That's how it's, yeah. Does, uh, maybe he meant, you know, we're going to call your advertisers and say perhaps you should rethink your patronage of Ms. King for she is unfair to some in our community. But you're a gangbanger, Snoop. You can't say I'm coming to get you. I'm a nonviolent person. Well, <clears throat> it hasn't always been the case, but I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I, I appreciate your, the adult uh, nature of his comments. I listen to your early albums, but I'm willing to concede that you have evolved and changed over the years. Right, fair enough. So, uh, 
speaking of race relations, more details are coming out uh, about these uh, race-to-dinner gatherings that we told you about last week. Liberal white women are hiring these racial activists to throw a dinner and tell them how racist they are. It's $2,500. Dinner table events. That's right, Mitt. (laughs) Professional justice activists Sarah Rao and Regina Jackson will come to your home, eat your food, and interrogate you and your gal pals to the point of tears, and it'll only cost you $2,500. And our friend uh, Robbe Suave of Reason.com is writing about this, and this is just great. I mean, the writing is good. The descriptions are stunning. Amazingly, white women are paying, according to the must-be-read-to-be-believed article. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Rao and Jackson, who are Indian, American, and black, respectively, have already attended 15 race-to-dinner events in which they demand the attendees confess their racism and admit they're part of the problem. If you did this in a conference room, they'd leave, Rao says. But wealthy white women have been taught never to leave the dinner table, so they stick around. (laughs) For someone who stylizes herself as an anti-racism activist, Rao engages in constant racial stereotyping. Well, that's fairly typical of her sort. Her Twitter feed reads like a satire in the vein of Titania McGrath, a self-aware parody account. For Rao, everything and everyone is racist, especially white women, whom she does not like one bit. Some highlights... To be absolutely clear, the race-to-dinner events do not feature actual racists. They're attended by well-meaning people who have somehow allowed themselves to be convinced that their souls are impure. Consider the testimony of one dinner host, and I'm quoting her now. I want to hire people of color, not because I want to be a a, a white savior. I've I've explored my need for validation. I'm I'm working through that. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling, she stutters before finally giving up. Another attendee, Morgan Richards, quote, admits she recently did nothing when someone patronizingly commended her for adopting her two black children, as though she had saved them. This is very problematic. Quote, what I went through to be a mother, I don't care if they were black. Um, and then Rao challenged her. So you admit it is stooping low to adopt a black child. And Richards accepts, yeah, I guess the undertone of my statements is racist, that I was glad to... Or I didn't care that I, I... I don't know what to say. And Erica Ryder raised her tattooed forearm to her face in despair of all the racism she's witnessed as a social worker, then lamented how a white friend always ends phone calls with, love you long time. And what is your racism, Erica? Rao interrupts, refusing to let her off the hook. The mood becomes tense. Another woman adds... I don't know you, Erica, but you strike me as being really in your head. Everything I'm hearing is from the neck up. Um, what? Writer, the single mother, retreats before defending herself. I haven't read all the books. I'm new to this. She doesn't know what to say. Everybody keeps yelling at her, and she doesn't even know what the terms mean because she's normal. Rao and Jackson have certainly come up with an interesting gimmick for their grift. Though there's nothing novel about trying to convince people they're wicked and sinful, in need of a kind of absolution only the grifter can provide for a cost. That was the entire model of the Catholic Church through much of the early uh, part of the uh, second millennium uh, A.D. 
uh, selling indulgences and such. Indeed, intersectional activism occasionally feels akin to religion to the extent that it emphasizes the internal brokenness of human beings in the following state of the world. It's tempting then to observe Rao and Jackson thus write off the entire concept of progressive activism on race, but in truth they are such ridiculous caricatures that probably the most appropriate response is simply to pity the gullible people whom they've swindled, which has been my attitude toward this all along. You're not a racist just because you don't agree with some of these social justice wackadoos. Their weapon is they call everyone who disagrees with them a racist. If you are a racist, you probably know it. And if you are, take a look at yourself. That's despicable. You shouldn't be. But if you're not, don't worry about it. You're not. Armstrong and Getty. Stopping physical fitness tests in schools over concerns they lead to bullying and body shaming. So good job getting gym canceled, you fat loser. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get through his own punchline, which is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about this last week. It's just, Kelly Unicornius, seriously. It's not fair to uh, non-binary students. How about we just, like, assess the kids and keep track and don't, just don't do anything. So you got some chubby female who identifies as a male and, and is kind of thick and all, and the BMI says it's too high, but that, that girl knows, look, I'm kind of thick, I'm athletic, I'm big. Everybody's fine, Gavin. Who, where, where are the bodies? Where are the, the, uh, the, you know, the mental hospitals full of people who went crazy because their gym teacher told them you ought to lose 10 pounds? I mean, what's the harm? We're, we're, we're body shaming. We're dying of obesity. I just, uh, I have a feeling there's something phony and ridiculous behind this move. I haven't nailed down exactly what it is. But the whole question of accountability in schools is so difficult and complicated. And I, I get the idea. I mean, guys like us, public schools are, depending on where you live, either very good or very, very bad. And generally, it's people who live in the areas that are very bad that are trapped in their public schools and they're not given school choice or whatever, and they don't know where to put their kids, and and it perpetuates poverty and the rest of it. And, you know, it's... Ludwig von Mises told us of all the monopolies, the most insidious one is a monopoly on education, which is why school choice is so important. But uh, So anyway, you want your schools to be accountable. So they come up with these standardized testing regimens, and and then they begin teaching to the test, and the teachers get their bonuses, and the administrators, and it's an effort to do the right thing. But before you know it, the tail is wagging a dog, and nobody's learning anything, and, 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 and you got teachers... You know, there's just there's such a lack of honesty in education right now. 
Every teacher will tell you, every teacher will tell you, if you teach in an area with an educated and fairly affluent populace, you get better raw material in terms of test scores. The kids come ready to learn. They get support at home. They come from a culture of learning. There's more reading around their house. There's uh, people speaking complete sentences in, in modern American English, the Queen's English, the rest of it. They just, you know, in terms of achievement in school, they're going to do better. And the teachers in the schools in the rough areas that don't have that culture of education, tradition, multi-generational, blah, 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 they're going to struggle. Of course they're going to struggle. Don't, don't, don't pretend that they aren't doing a harder job or at least a very different job than the teachers in the really affluent districts. And so, I mean, just the whole standardized testing thing makes me crazy. But to get back to the original joke, so they're going to eliminate any fitness testing to avoid anybody's feelings being hurt? Or the transgender kids getting confused or something? You know what? I, I know. <laughs> I actually know transgender people, and they know who they are. If somebody says, you know, you're awfully light for a, a grown man and they spent most of their lives as a female, they know why, and they're not going to freak out and, like, I don't know, start eating 50,000 calories a day or anything. They're fine. They're okay. So I suspect something weird and phony is going on. But I don't understand why we just can't, you know, have the kids do the little fitness test, which nobody can pass anyway. Compile the results. All right, 30 pe- 30% of people passed it. That's better than last year. We're doing all right. And not worry about it. I don't just I don't understand why anybody's worried enough about it to bother changing it. So uh, I heading out to vote in New Hampshire tomorrow. You got the old uh, socialist and the uh, the child who appear to be uh, ready to win it. Could well be Bernie uh, with the uh, young Pete right behind. So really, the two of them won or co-won the first two states. Joe Biden is fading like his hairline. And and so the Democratic Party is really in a crisis. We've mentioned that before, but there's going to be serious conversation about A, a guy with virtually no experience, and B, a guy who wants to take us way down the road to more government control of the economy. And, and we'll have to see whether the fear and angst on the left grows to the point that, that Bloomberg starts to rise more or He seems or like what. the only thing that can make it not a two-person race at this point. Amy Klobuchar is surging. I think that's partly desperation, and she is by far the most attractive of the Democratic candidates for me as a guy who would tend not to vote Democrat. If, if she got elected uh, president, I would think, oh, well. You know what? It goes back and forth. She's a Democrat. She's reasonable. She's smart. I hope things don't go too far to the left, because I don't think that's the way the country ought to be run. You may think differently, and you're entitled to that opinion. But I think she's fairly reasonable. But I, I'm afraid the only reason she's rising up from forget about her to, oh, that's interesting, because she's definitely not at contender. She's just at, oh, that's interesting. I think it's desperation. You got uh, uh, little Petey. And uh, who's actually an accomplished guy? I don't mean to, you know, demean the guy, but he's uh, he's very, very young and hasn't done much in, in terms of government. And the old socialist, and so man, they are desperate for something to happen. It's going to be an interesting second half of the week once they get done in frozen New Hampshire. I believe the Republicans will run Donald J. Trump. 
<laughs> Just ignoring Bill Weld, are you? Uh, I'm willing to go ahead and throw down on that proposition. The incumbent president will run again. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Just to wrap things up for the hour, there he is pressing the buttons in the control room. He keeps us on the air. Michael Angel, final thought? Uh, I got a busy day ahead of me. I got to clean up from my Oscar party. I got chips smashed into the carpet. I got dents in the wall, spitballs on the ceiling. It's, it's just a mess. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't invited. Uh, Jack is uh, dealing with a, a family situation. Everything's fine, but he had to uh, be home for a, for an hour today. Positive Sean's our producer. Your final thought, Sean? Yes, as I am getting back into the swing of uh, you know uh, the, the golfing game, I'm trying to get more ways for me to leave my house and have a good time. Good man. Um, I realize that I, I, I'm once again in the market for some golfing shoes. I can't be out there playing in tennis shoes and jeans like some sort of casual. I at least got to look the part if I'm going to be the part. You know what I mean? If you can't play good, look good. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. I'd be happy to help you with your game. I'm a much better teacher than player. Excellent. But, yeah, it'd be my delight. Uh, Sean and I were chatting uh, during the last commercial break about the fact that over the weekend, just as it was healing, I bit my lower lip so hard... I wanted to cry and or bring myself to the emergency room. I knew I had done some damage, so it's all swollen and, and sore. How do you chew for an entire lifetime and about once every six months just bite the hell out of your mouth? Your lip just goes rogue. i got to go liquid diet. I'm too stupid to eat grown-up food. <laughs> if I were one, I'd get it. My mommy cuts my little hot dog into little pieces. But I'm a grown man. Ow, it hurts. So many people to thank. So little Tom Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our podcasts are there to download for free and for nothing because we're dumb. Uh, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Armstrong and Getty.